Welcome to the 60th edition of Make Pro Wrestling Majestic again. I am Tiger Height. And I am Peanut Gallery. And also, if you realize that the quality is much better is because I was an idiot and didn't realize that there was a quality difference um, with the cameras. So, uh, hooray! Now, let's talk about Triple Mania Tijuana. Hooray! This show, I liked it, but there were parts of it where I was lost. So um, it wasn't nothing stood out to me, but nothing was kind bad. of bad. Nothing was bad. Right. So let's start off with our first match, which was the women's cage match. Now here's how this went. It was a women in this cage match, mm -hmm. and it was essentially like you try to eliminate yourself from the match, and it was escape the cage only. Right. The last two were going to face each other in a Lucha de Apuestas match mm -hmm. for Mask versus Mask. Right. Um, what were your thoughts on this stipulation? Now, this was pre-show. I mean, again, I don't have any. I didn't see anything stand out to me as far as good, uh, but I didn't see anything stand out as far as bad either. So right. it was um, kind of a mixed bag. It was everywhere with this match. There was so much happening mm. all at once. Um, there was a little too much setup for me personally for a couple of the spots. Yep. Uh, so here were the um, individuals that ended up leaving. It was Rihanna Dorada, Sexy Star, Lady Shawnee, and Mara Villa. So the last two who faced each other later, which we'll talk about, were Flamir and Cheek Tormenta. Yep. So um, as far as making it majestic again, I mean, I... I... <sighs> I don't. I don't know. I. I just don't know what to make of this match. It was just there. Right. It. And I feel like that should not be something for Lucha Libre. Yeah. You know. It's. It's just one of those things where I have so much respect for the Lucha Libre culture, and usually they do good. But for something like this, it was like, why? What was right. the lead up to it? Right. You know. I, right. That's what. You know, part of what was happening was missing. Yeah. Was the reason for it. Yeah. Who just texted us? Oh. Okay. Sorry. So um, that's just kind of what's going on there. But overall, it was just there. Yeah. And you're right. It was just there. Yep. Um, the second match that we had was just a mess. So uh, before we really get into it, I want to talk about the ceremonies. So they first had the opening ceremony with the guard and the national anthem. Yep. Uh, the I'm not sure if it was good or bad. I didn't like it because of the sound and the noise. Um, I thought it was not performed well, but I'm not sure. So it's hard for me to really. Um, yeah, why do you it. why why do you make a judgment on it? Anyways, well, I, I didn't I didn't make a judgment because this all kind of ties in together. Um, then we had the football club sponsor, yep. where they brought out uh, two dogs, mm -hmm. and the the poor things looked terrified. Oh, they were terrified. Um, they, I don't know if that, that was just what they look like, but they look like El Chupacabra. Yeah. Like almost. That's, his, that's the club's mascot. And then a person who was huge, who looked like fucking, um, Brian Cage dressed as the CGI version of Scooby-Doo. It no, wasn't a CGI version. It was, it a, was not a CGI it version. Was, it was a, uh, it was an, it was a, uh, God, what do they call it? They call it uh, a humanistic sort of mascot. Thing. Right. It was, so it, was it was a big. It was a big dude with the face. Yeah, it and was. The, and the one, yes. the only thing that I could think of was the CGI version of Scooby Doo because it looked exactly sure. like it. Um, but they did that, and then there was the intro, intro, which was 
fucking awesome. Mm. Um, I loved seeing the history. I loved the um, pyrotechnics. Uh-huh. And then we have the L.A. Rams shit. The cheerleaders. It was so disjointed and weird, and I had such a ball watching it. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, Peanut Gallery does not like fun things. I, I, I didn't get it. I it was just there. I, I, I just enjoyed it. So let's talk about Copa Triple Mania. I do not have a picture. They did not provide one. There were just a bunch of random people in there. It was good to see Mecha, uh, Mecha Wolf yeah. 450 and uh, Bestia 666. Now they did. Uh, now they did uh, do some build for some other matches. Yes, which I'm they going did. To assume. So I'll at least give them that credit. So here are the people in order. We had Mr. Iguana, Abismo Negro Jr., Mecha Wolf, uh, Dulce Canela, who was actually really popular, Nino Hamburgresa, who ended up winning it. Vampiro, who was very popular and did not look bad. Bestia Sesses, Ray Volo, who was the sponsors or the football club's luchador. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Heavy Metal, Charlie Manson, Mamba, Pagano, and Cybernetico, who ended up eliminating each other and mm-hmm. continued to fight. So, um, and also the English announcers did a great job on. Um, explaining so who why. did Cybernetico eliminate, and where is this bad blood coming from? You so, have to explain that. Yeah, to yeah. Me. So Cybernetico and was Pagano. It, okay, they, they it was had, Pagano. Yeah, it was Pagano. Uh, they had a rivalry before Cybernetico left uh, for a couple of years, and they're reigniting it. Now, mm-hmm. I like this because, number one, Pagano is very popular. Right. And clearly, if he's not in the mega title picture, what is he going to do? Right. And the rivalry with a popular heel like Cybernetico is a great addition to the Mexico City's Triple Mania. Yeah. They did not announce it as a full thing, but it's. I'm going to assume that's what's going to happen. Right. Um, as far as, as, far I, I, as... Did, I did like this match. Okay. I, thought it was, I thought it was a fun little match. Um, I've always liked the Copa Triple Mania. I'm going to give it a Orange Cassidy thumbs up. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Um, I do like how now um, Nino Hembogresa won it. So uh-huh. somebody new who's very popular with the fans yeah. that won this match. And usually when you win Copa, you're kind of put in a different level as it relates to um, legitimacy. Right. And I think Nino Hembogresa is a great addition to possibly even being in the main event scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's popular enough. Might as well do something with it. You never know what's going to happen. So overall, I was very satisfied with it. Okay, but making still, it majestic again. I really wouldn't do anything different. Yeah. I thought that they built matches for the next one because that's the big one. Right. Like, that's number what, three. That's, that's what the purpose of this match is. Right. Mexico City and then yep. um, Nino. I liked it because they're experimenting. And I'm excited to see. I mean, when he won this, it was huge. Yeah. Like, people popped hard for it. So and he, he beat uh, – the last person was Mamba who was yes. taken out. So yes, he beat yes. Mamba yep. um, in the final. Yeah. No, I, I mean, like I said, even though it was an, only an Orange Cassidy thumbs up, I still like the match yeah. overall. Uh, let's talk about the winner takes all. We have Bandito, Phoenix, Taurus, Laredo Kid, and um, – uh, Io Del Vikingo. Yeah. This was awesome. It was. It was. Number one, I'm going to give this a two thumbs up. Two I thumbs thought, up? I'm going to yeah. give it one thumb up. No, I've, I'm going to give it a two thumbs up. I thought this was really good. I love the action. I thought it was paced 
really well. There were a lot of there were a lot of spots. Well, that's what this was. It was a five-person winner takes all. Now they said that it was a title unification, and yet I'm not sure if it's a title unification. Um, there was going to be a follow-up, definitely, right. um, which we'll discuss here in a second. But I thought this was just a really well-paced Lucha Libre match. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I thought it was just a lot of fun. Um, and obviously, Phoenix won with a double foot stomp on Taru. So yep. uh, Laredo Kid's 1,000-plus day reign is over. And Tarus was the transitional champion. Um, and then there was a stare down with Phoenix and um, Iho Del Vikingo. Right, which is a possible and probable main event. It's a probable main event, like one or four um, for the next triple main. Right. Um, so that's always good. For all um, three titles, yep. yeah. Uh, the one thing that I was really concerned about was uh, Bandito, who was still down, and they had a stretcher come out there, but he walked under his own power, so hopefully... Um, apparently, it was a neck injury. Ah. Um, to the extent of the injury, I don't know, but that just would not be a good thing. This guy, oh, right. just this poor guy, just cannot catch a break. Uh, there were two segments. Um, oh no, no! As far oh. as making it majestic oh. again, um, I would have liked maybe more of a contextual reason on yeah. why these people are fighting, yep. and then also clarification on if this is just a winner takes all or a title unification. Right. They did not specify this right. well, and it bothered me. And once again, it's a very WWE-esque mistake mm-hmm. here of is it a unification or is it a, a winner-take-all? Winner because right. I got both, Right. you know? So that's kind of there. Uh, between this and that, we're not going to discuss it entirely. I do like the hint of... A Taya Valkyrie and Thunder Rosa match, yep. though. But obviously, she still has a little bit of beef with uh, Deanna Perazzo yep. to take care of first. So. I think that'll be at uh, uh, Triple Mania Mexico City. I think they're going to do that. Then they'll have the Taya and Thunder rivalry. Right. Which I think will be great. Yeah. So, overall, that was fine. And then there was another segment with, like, a bunch of people. Conan was there. I skipped it, so I didn't watch it. Yeah, Conan, I think, I don't know if he's um, Bessie, or not, but... Uh, Bessie SSS's dad was out there, um, which was... Um, yeah. Oh, I can't remember what his name was. I think it was uh, Demon SSS or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, I didn't watch it, so I didn't care. Um, I don't know what happened. But let's talk about the next match, which was the first of the tournament match between Blue Demon Jr. and mm-hmm. Pentagon Jr. Uh, this was much better than I expected. Yeah, this was. I thought Blue Demon was in a much better position than he was in the last match. I definitely I mean, give it a thumbs up. Oh, absolutely. Um, I had a lot of fun watching this match. I thought both guys were super popular. Yeah. And obviously it was a um, it was a Mexican pile driver, which is a flipping pile driver, through a table. I cannot believe fucking Blue Demon pulled that off twice. Mm-hmm. That was kind of crazy. But um, it was that. And then also I really liked how they tied in the hammer yeah. into it because that was like the main thing of the Demon legacy. Right. Um, you know, as far as making it majestic, again, I wouldn't do anything I, different. Here's yeah. here's the thing about this tournament, which is hard making it majestic again, is it's a tournament, right? And it's a tournament for mask versus mask, right? You knew Blue Demon was not going to lose this. They're not right. gonna put Blue Demon Junior. 
the demon mask, which is a hundred years of history right. in Jeopardy like yeah. that. And and you kind of know which direction they're going in with this tournament anyways, and we kind of saw it all along. Um, I've, I've been enjoying the ride, yeah. though. That's the other thing. Everybody's been wrestling really well, yeah. which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And then you also get that thing of like, oh, my God, I'm watching a Blue Demon Jr. match. Or I'm watching a um, uh, Riley De Lisco whatever right. match. You know, like whatever. Who cares? So let's go to our next match, which was Psycho Clown taking on Volano 4. I just hit my mic. I don't know why. Um, this was the other Match. This one, this one the was more of a final match. This one was more of a mess. Yeah. This one uh, between the two was the worst. Yeah, they're gonna give it an orange Cassidy thumbs. I'm gonna give it a full thumbs down. I did not like this. I thought it was extremely poorly done, and I do there not... there was a very marketable difference between the work that you do when you go to the United States. You put in a certain kind of work ethic. Yep. Um, you know, not that it's a bad thing, but you can definitely tell when someone has spent some time in the United States with Lucha Libre because they bring about them a certain style that's a little more clean, I think, than what you get here in Mexico if and you then, don't and go And then also one, of them, also one of them is in their fucking 60s. Right, and that doesn't and, help any. And, and bless, um, bless, you know, Psycho Clown's heart. He tried his fucking damnedest to pull off a good match here. But it's hard when the other guy but can Psycho barely Clown move. Is, right, Psycho Clown is clearly not ready to kind of carry a match on his own. Uh, uh, here's the problem. He is, but he's wrestling against somebody who's like 80 years old who's had a heart attack. What the fuck can you do with this? And I think, you know... Now, so, okay, before we go into it, Psycho Clown did win. At the very least, he won. Yeah. I just realized we skipped a match, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, it was an air raid crash on, I think it was tax. I think they brought in tax. It was a mess. Yeah. This was a mess of a match. Um, I mean, they, these two, I thought they shot for a while. Like, they, I mean, they, they went like straight, let me punch you in the face punches. Yeah. Uh, making it majestic again. Nope. I couldn't do it. I could not make this majestic again. Not because it was so good, it's because it was so bad. It was well, more like take it out and, and call it and, a day. And, you know, here's the thing about this, too, and I said this a little bit earlier, is that Psycho Clown, it's hard for Psycho Clown, I think, to carry a match on his own um, without, like, some help, like weapons or his, his, or, his or friends. His, or his opponents. Right, or, or his friends, Murder I, I Clown, think, Monster Clown. I think, I, think, I think part of his problem is... All the fucking gear that he's wearing. He's wearing like eight layers of clothes, yeah. and his mask is not indicative right. of a competitional mask. Right. I mean, it's a full face covering, and it looks like a Halloween mask. It's only like Pagano. I just don't understand the aesthetic. Yeah. I wonder if it is a clown thing. I don't know. Instead of instead of just like a wrestler thing, I wonder if it's like because it's a clown. Because Pagano's face paint is more of a Joker right. clown, and then you have Psycho Clown, who's literally a clown. Right. I wonder if it's not because of them as wrestlers; it's because of their gimmick. Right. So, um, and then you know, obviously, Volano Four is going to be unmasking. There's, yeah, no, there's no way he's not at this point. There's no way that they're going to have a Pentagon unmasked. No, no, that would just be suicide. Oh, absolutely. Like, what are you doing at that point? So right. let's. Get, uh, anyway, yeah, uh, thumbs down for me. Orange yeah. Cassidy, thumbs down for Peanut Gallery because he's a lot more forgetful. 
So let's talk about the mask versus mask match in between these two, between Flamir and Cheek Tormenta. Yes. Um, it started out actually kind of fun. Yeah. And then there it kind of, was. It kind of devolved, though. Yep. There was at least a million different interferences. Yeah. I totally lost interest. Number one, thumbs down. Yep, thumbs down. Um, it was just a mess. And then Flamir, Flamir won with a modified Death Valley driver through a wooden board. It's like, when the fuck did this happen? Right. So, so Chick Tormenta unmasked. Now, is she retiring? I don't know. Right. Now, uh, they are married to wrestlers within the company, so they did that. Um, I do like Mask versus Mask because, like, oh, um, we got to show this respect. This, this, one, this one kind of felt like it was out of nowhere, and it legitimately was. Like, if you want to do the cage match, cool. Wait until Mexico City to do something like this. But here's the problem, though. They do two Mask versus Mask matches. One of them is going to be taken out. Right. The women's are going to be taken out, so they had to do this really quick for no reason. Right. It's like, dude. Yeah. This, 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 the cage match was on the pre-show. Yeah. Like, who the fuck cares? There was no build. This is a mask versus mask match. This is like, yep. oh, uh, you won this, and then you get a title match immediately. Right. Like, making, making it majestic again. I mean, just save it for Mexico City. Yeah. You're going to have two mask versus mask matches. Right. There's City. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Especially um, in the audience of that, maybe you need two of them to really get the context of right. how important this match is. Exactly. It's like, oh, build Flamir and Chick Torment. Right. It's like, that would be cool. And then maybe the winner gets a future Reina de Reina's title match or something, right. you know? Overall, it was just like a really strange... there. All right, let's talk about the main event now because I think the main event is next. Yes, it was. So it was Los Hermanos Lee taking on Mal Hardy and Johnny Hardy or uh, Johnny Elite. So or, or Johnny Superstar or Johnny Comorado or Johnny Drip Drip or... Yeah, whatever. Johnny Nitro. Right. John Morrison. Yeah. Um, insert person here sort of thing. Right. Um, I really, I, I did enjoy the um, little mocking thing of Jeff Hardy in yeah. it. Uh, Matt Hardy, God bless his soul, he looked really bad in he this did. match. He did. Was, he was not shining in this. Now, luckily, Los Hermanos Lee, both of them are so good that they really carried this well. Yeah, I'm still I'm giving an Orange Cassidy thumbs down, though. I did not really Oh, really? Like I'll, I'll, I'll be tentative and give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs up, being optimistic on wow, that, too. Wow, you're so optimistic. I really am. But overall, you know, this was very last minute given yep. what happened. So, so them preparing for this fully was harder than not. Yeah. So and I also didn't like how they announced the partner before the match right. happened. Right. That was the other thing. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. They did. They did a backstage segment where they announced it. It's like, dude, wait for like a surprise, like Johnny Hardy. It's like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Instead of the backstage segment, and then, and then Comorado betrayed Matt Hardy anyway. Yeah. And then all of them, and then the other tag team, they attacked Comorado, and then they hugged. Like, what the fuck was the point? I know it was just a feel-good moment, pretty much. That's what it was. It was um, very strange. Overall, um, I thought it was a good show, but I thought the. Um, I'm gonna give the show an Orange Cassidy thumbs down overall. I'm gonna give an Orange Cassidy thumbs up, but but I'm gonna say this. Because it is a comparison between the two, the first Triple Mania was better than Night 2. 100%. Oh, absolutely. Uh, anyways, let's talk about making this main event majestic again. Um, <laughs> it's, it's hard to do this because of the circumstances. 
I would have. I would have. I would have had. I think it would have been just as bad if it was Jeff Hardy. Actually, it might have been worse if it was Jeff Hardy. I would have rather have done this. Well, it would have been worse, by the way. Yeah. Um, I would have waited for Comorado for the surprise later, like at the very, like at the very beginning. That would have been cool. Um, I do not like it that he did like a Jeff Hardy impersonation. It felt a little disrespectful. I. It's hard for me because I am such a fan of the Hardys, but. What well, I've seen so far has not been good. I just don't want people to disrespect them, and I feel like Comorado's was a little disrespectful to Hardy. Or yeah. Jeff, anyway. Um, and then we should have had at least somewhat of a clean finish, and then Comorado attacked. Right. That would have been better yeah. than during the match. It's like, right. what the hell was this? Like, and, and, and then don't do the hugging shit after. Like, that was unnecessary. It's like... Okay, come on. Wait until like after the show goes off the right. air for like the crowd to have some a feel good moment. Right. Like, well, well, yeah. So then it's no wonder that the uh, Spanish announce team was doing cocaine in the press box. Okay, <laughs> that was that was not cocaine. That was you know, that was that, that was, was paper that got stuck yeah, on there and it shredded. <laughs> I mean, I almost wish I wanted to do cocaine. This match, this show was. Four and a half hours. Yeah. Also, number. Th- Here's the other thing that would make this majestic again, <sighs> motherfuckers. If you want to do a four and a half hour show, that's fine. But start it at like five o'clock in the evening instead Our of time. instead of seven. Yeah, they started at seven p.m. Pacific time. Think of think of the people who are watching this on Eastern. Yeah, that's ten o'clock. Yeah, and that's when it starts. That's when it started. Yeah, they, they would have to go to almost two o'clock in the morning. Yep. No way. I mean, we did. We watched this today, like on Sunday yeah. morning, and I'm so glad we did. Yeah. Because I would have been cranky yeah. if we had to do that. But, you know, like I said, just a couple of different right. things. So when we come back, Peanut Gallery, what are we talking about? Well, we're going to do a, another very special uh, booking style. We're going to do it on Stephanie McMahon. Ooh. All right, we are back. Peanut Gallery, take it away. And taking it away, I shall. So we're going to talk, you know, especially with Stephanie kind of stepping up into her interim CEO role. Um, Part of me thinks that this is going to be part of an overall trend where she becomes a little more involved in the creative process. Now, this would not be the first time that she was involved in the creative process. Um, a couple of years after she got her start in the WWE, uh, she did actually start. Uh, she actually did take over a lot of those creative functions at first. This is like ninety eight, ninety nine. So, oh really? At the time, people were, um, I guess, unhappy with it because she was so inexperienced, relatively speaking. But. There are a lot of things that I think we can learn about Stephanie McMahon's booking style just from her experiences as a person, um, the kind of work that she's involved in, and a little bit of Vince McMahon there, which I think is very attractive to someone like Vince if he wanted to keep his legacy alive. Now, the reason why that, uh, I guess, Stephanie kind of took over as as kind of this lead role um, – in, in this whole dynamic. Like, she she's kind of the one who is, like, the heiress to the McMahon throne. And not Shane McMahon is because Shane McMahon's ideas were 
contradictory in many ways to Stephanie and Vince's ideas. Stephanie, Stephanie was more of the yes woman, where yeah. Shane was very, you're right, very much out there as it relates to that. I mean, Shane wanted to buy ECW and right. UFC yep. back in the late 90s. And that's just one example of, right. what, of what Shane wanted to do. Um, that really kind of went against a lot of what Vince McMahon's vision was for the company. Whereas Stephanie kind of took more of that role of learning from the father and learning about the business from the father. But she brings in a couple of very unique twists into this, and I want to kind of go over some of these examples. Um, I think the first example that we should talk about is her relationship, obviously, with a current wrestler or at the time was a current wrestler in Triple H. Now, many people cite the rise of Triple H and the, the I guess, marriage, the, the relationship and marriage to the McMahon family as a, a sort of convenience. It was a very convenient thing to happen, right? Right. Where we weren't sure whether Triple H got the push he got because he was actually a competent wrestler or because of his relationship with the McMahons. Now, right. we can kind of go both ways. Obviously, he became a very liked competitor at the same time that he happens to be in a relationship with the McMahon. But I think it kind of gave Stephanie the very unique perspective that maybe Vince did not have. Right. Um, and in terms of actually coexisting also, with this also, industry. Also, Stephanie McMahon like trained as a competitor. Yes, she did. And also, she's been in this industry since she was 10. Yeah. She modeled for WWE merchandise when she was 10 years old. Yeah. So she's been in this all of her life. Yep. This is almost the only thing that she knew. But Steph is also very philanthropic. Yes, which and I think we're, is and a we're going to talk about asset. that as well yep. because I think it plays in very well to her creative, uh, creative direction I think so as too. well. So the first one, obviously, being uh, she she likes those that the I guess kind of the power dynamic sort of stuff. Not in a Vince Russo way. We'll actually talk about Vince Russo a little bit later on. But let's talk about her very unique branding of power like not just like physical power but maybe perhaps empowerment as we see with the women's revolution which she credits herself or inserts herself as being a very influential part of that women's revolution i don't know all the details to that but when stephanie mcmahon has a chance to put herself into the spotlight and say hey this was my baby she is going to do it here's very much like her father I will say one thing. Here's the thing. Stephanie McMahon, she does this, and yeah. I think it's wrong, not because she doesn't deserve it, but she's done other things. Yeah. Like I said, she's very active with the philanthropy yeah. and the work with those. It's like, dude, you already have an enormous legacy on right. making this company look so much better in the eyes of mainstream right. media just based on the philanthropy. Why are you bothering with this right. stuff? You know. And you know the other thing I want to talk about too – and, and we'll kind of get into a little more later is um, just with the McMahon children in general, how they love to kind of place themselves into the spotlight in different ways. So Shane McMahon likes to take a very active role in his involvement in storylines. Right. Whereas Stephanie 
kind of takes more of a backseat. Now, she'll do a match every now and again, but Stephanie McMahon's focus is on the investment of the superstars that she is going up against. Right. Um, and she utilizes the power that she has to make sure that her investments into certain superstars go the way that she plans. So a great example of this is Ronda Rousey back in the original run when uh, Ronda Rousey obviously had a lot of power. Um, not, not her having a lot of power, but she obviously had a lot of chances to make a great first impression. Well, Ronda Rousey had to. Here's the right. thing. Ronda Rousey came into the company with more eyeballs on it mm -hmm. than any other woman in history at that time. And I think that with Stephanie being the person to face off against Ronda was a great way to her for Ronda to get started as a babyface because people are going to look at that. Right. And then you have Triple H and Stephanie McMahon who are Attitude Era stars. Right. Whether you like it or not, they are. And then you have Kurt Angle who right. you know is still that person there. The thing is that Stephanie was definitely the the right person for Ronda yep. to go up against because of the eyes on that product. Yep. Uh, you know, it wasn't just Stephanie. I mean, I mean, or it wasn't just Ronda. She had the longer base rivalry with uh, yep. Brie Bella. Yep. She had the women's championship back in the Attitude Era. Stephanie always wrestled very conservatively. Yeah. And I think that was a good thing for. Um, certain stars to get right. over as and major makes, baby faces. And, and that's what makes her very similar to Vince in that way is that is that she and Vince kind of um, make sure that the stars are elevated to a, a to a certain degree. Right. They they um, don't they don't they do not put themselves they don't over. put themselves in that position. No, they don't put themselves over as much. They're like, oh well right. they, they get all the attention. Where, but yeah, well, whereas, they get in the ring they they almost always lose. Whereas Shane McMahon wants to wants win. to win. Right. Exactly. So that's kind of some differences that I saw. It's, that, it's, it's, it's weirdly mm, selfless. Yeah, it is. Um, and let's talk about a couple of other things as well uh, where uh, she, again. The philanthropy. Yeah, let's work. talk about the philanthropy bit because I think this is what sets her apart from Vince is that – she very much has this this public eye on her. So she she maybe would be so focused on what is happening internally more than what external pressures are being placed on the company itself. Right. Um, she'll always want to put on a great show. She'll always want to put on a good face. Um, you know, I think that any regime under Stephanie, where where she is actually like the CEO of the company, I think would have a lot less of that kind of shady backstagey stuff because of her intense focus on making sure that her uh, brand that she is in control of is is looks good. I think. I hate kind of hate saying this, but I think maybe even this hiatus might be a net positive yeah. for the company as a whole, yeah. despite um, Stephanie McMahon's ire towards uh, certain individuals. Yes. Uh, one of them we'll talk about here in a second, but one of them that you didn't have a picture of, which I was surprised about. Uh, is Kevin Dunn. Yes. Who, she does not like Kevin Dunn. The, no, they don't like each other. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, they do not like each other, where Kevin Dunn, who's been, you know, Vince's right-hand man for so long, yeah. and now since Vince is gone, what's going to happen there? Right. 
it's just something that you got to think about because that can literally go one or two right. ways. And let's talk about some other people that she doesn't like either, like Vince Russo, for example. People don't uh, – she she was actually instrumental in not bringing Vince Russo back. Vince McMahon was about to hire Vince uh, – Vince Russo in 1999 or 2000, right right before WCW kind of went under, and Stephanie McMahon stepped in and said, "You are not hiring this man back." Really, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't even know that. So that's just one of many examples. She knows what she likes, and she likes what she likes, and she dislikes what she dislikes. No, here's the thing: I do not think Stephanie McMahon is thinking of herself as it relates to this. No. I think she really she's thinks... thinking about the reputation of the company. Right, and Vince Russo is a powder keg yes. of just controversy beyond controversy, yep. and I think that it is a net positive that WWE actually did bring her in as the interim, yes. albeit interim. Um, I know that that may not be positive, but who else can you put in that position right, right now? Tony or Tony Khan, Nick Khan. <laughs> Love to see Tony Khan. I might lose my mind if that happened. Um, but uh, you know, I I think we went a little bit beyond the booking style of Stephanie. But I think my my point at the well, end, I, at, all, at the, at all, the all, all of that is booking. Yeah. Is uh, Stephanie McMahon really thinks of the bottom line when she is in a match? Unless there's a bunch of screwy things like with Brie Bella when Nikki Bella betrayed her. Right. It's never like a super clean finish. It's always a very selfless act. She understands her reputation, and she uses that to elevate others, at least within the ring. Yeah. Outside of the ring, she's not as controversial as her dad. Right. She uses her reputation to elevate those around her. Now, now she's not of um, appeal or anything like that. Right. Now, she is no saint. But I think I think that she does not have as much of a um, grindy, windy, I screw these people right. sort of reputation, you know, that her father has built, right? Or that that Shane has built. And I think I think a lot of people see Stephanie through rose-colored glasses because of the work that she does outside right. of um, outside of WWE. She's right. very much more so of big picture instead of trying to get mainstream publicity through signing people for certain matches she thinks of it as let's build a good reputation with good works outside of wwe right like i know people don't like this but susan g coleman for instance the biggest cancer research whatever the reputation be gone they still have their reputation. And yep. WWE does do a lot of good stuff. They do a lot of good stuff with Make-A-Wish. They do a lot of good stuff with the Special Olympics. She thinks of that kind of stuff, which right. I think WWE really fucking needs right now. Oh, yes, they do. So, so I think that she's a good person to put into this position right yep. now um, just to build some goodwill while the investigation is ongoing. But should this become permanent, I think it's to be very interesting to see how she – um, incorporates something like this into the greater uh, creative direction of uh, of WWE, right? And not just that, but um, corporally, yeah, of WWE, right? Let's not, see not, what they do. Not, yeah, outside of the ring, just we'll we'll see what happens if that indeed becomes the case. When we come back, what are we talking about? So for wrestling lesson, we're gonna be talking about the Triple A Latin American Champion. Despite it being around for so little, there's a lot going on, so stay tuned for that. All right.
Alright, we are back, and I'm going to be talking about the AAA Latin American Championship. Even though this title has only been around for about 11-ish years, there has been quite a very unique span of title reigns that we should talk about. So, the Latin American Champion was introduced on May 18th, 2011, as a part of a storyline where wrestlers from American Promotion Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, or TNA, um, kind of a fun little uh, tie-in there with the 20-year anniversary, um, invading AAA. It was revealed on June 18th that Triple Mania XIX, or 19, Dr. Wagner Jr. would be facing TNA's Rob Van Dam to determine the first Latin American champion. It was no disqualification, and Dr. Wagner was the first title holder to oh, that was the that is the wrong person. Dr. Wagner Jr. was the first title holder, beating Rob Van Dam to become the first champion. The physical design of the champion was crafted by All-Star Championship Belts, and there have been ten reigns shared along wrestler or along ten wrestlers. There has never been a wrestler who has held this champion more than once. And as of, you know, last night, Tarus was the current champion. Now it is Phoenix, and that is under his first reign as well. And uh, he and uh, Tarus defeated Octagon Jr. and Villano III Jr. on May 1st of 2021. So he held it for uh, just shy of a year. Actually, no, just over a year. Cool. So there you go. Now, after Dr. Wagner Jr. held the championship for, I think, a decent amount of time, uh, L.A. Park. Now, this was Alfonso Ibarra, which was the original park. And maybe we'll talk about the whole um, L.A. Park and La Parca fiasco at a later time, but because that could be a whole video within oh, of yeah. itself. Now, he was the second champion, and he vacated the title when he quit the company he had the title for i think like a couple i think he had it for like 150 ish days and it was one there from uh, to blue demon jr who defeated chessman to win the championship which was vacated and blue demon held it for 273 days but due to a scheduling conflict blue demon was actually stripped of the championship um, I think he was doing a movie at the time, and uh, the movie was actually going to be taking longer than expected to finish. So he had to stay within the movie's criterion based on his contract. And because AAA is kind of weird about title defenses, that they stripped him of the title. He was like, oh, 30 days? Well, clearly not, because you have people who go literally months and months without defending the title and you're totally fine with it. I think it's more competitionally because Blue Demon was going to be gone for a while longer too. And Chessman won the vacated champion at Rey de Reyes 2014. Now the next champion that I want to um, talk about is one of the more unique cases because uh, Johnny Mundo, that was his name at this time, it was not Comorado at this point, he was very unique in his uh, championship because not only did he win the Latin American champion and held this title for 399 days, 
with four title defenses, but at Rey de Reyes 2017, Mundo, defending the Latin American champion, won a winner-takes-all triple threat match. Well, Ijo del Fantasma, who was the world cruiserweight, and Tejano Jr., who was the mega champion, all had the match, and obviously uh, Johnny Mundo won the belt, so he was a triple champion, which was very rare. He is still the only wrestler to hold all three champions all at once. And uh, given Mexico City's little tease that we had earlier, um, that will probably be there for a while. We don't know what the uh, outcome of right. the, the Kingo and Phoenix rivalry is, but it's just kind of a cool little thing that right. Mundo, defending the Latin American champion, won all three champions. Mm -hmm. He held all three champions from March till October with one three-title defense reign. He actually took on Tejano for all three championships, but obviously Mundo retained. At Heroes Immortal XI, Mundo wrestled three times, defending all three championships, losing the Cruiserweight and Latin American champions, and he retained the mega champion against Ray Wagner. So kind of a cool thing there. And let's talk about uh, more of a general dithesis of the Latin American champion to uh, finish off. It's a little bit of a shorter one, but when you have a title that's only around since 2011 and uh, the unique situations given, I think there's only been like 11 champions. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to really stretch this out in 10 minutes. So... There has never been a superstar that has held the Latin American champion more than once. Like I said, Daga has the longest reign with the Latin American champion at 553 days. He did not lose the champion. He vacated the title, and that was around the pandemic era. So uh, uh, Tessa Blanchard was not the only one who was creating controversy relating the championships. Uh, and then uh, we have Daga here, or Drago, excuse me, who had the Latin American champion and defended it the most out of anybody else with this champion at seven. Everybody else lost it around four, which is very interesting. And he lost the champion to Daga at Heroes Irmartal XIII. So that's just kind of a brief little history of the Latin American champion. A little, little bit of a shorter thing, but I thought because of the teasing of the triple champions coming back and the fact that Mundo defended Latin American champion in the first and only three champions criterium. I thought it was just a cool little thing. And I, I always like the uh, championships within triple A, always kind of an interesting little snippet. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about Salamiversary. And we are back. Pina Gallery. Let's talk about Slammiversary. All right. So there were two pre-show matches that we missed. Um, we were we were picking up Mothership. She is in town. <laughs> so uh, there was a digital media championship match between Rich Swan and Brian Myers, and I think I have Rich no, Swan I have, won that I match. I have no clue who won. Or I have no matches. idea who won that match. And then there was the reverse battle royal. Yes, and I remember Sharkboy won that match. 
Sure. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember about the reverse. Okay. I don't remember who Shark Boy eliminated, but <laughs> Shark Boy was the winner of that match. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about our first match, which was for the X Division Champion and Ultimate X. We have Ace Austin, Kenny King, Trey Miguel, Andrew Everett, and Alex Zane. Oh, and then um, uh, Mike Bailey. Yes. I don't know why he's not in this. So, uh, this was a very fun opener. Yeah. It's unfortunate that Jack Evans was not able to compete in this match, mm-hmm. but he was not medically cleared to do so. Ah. Uh, so, he will most likely be back with Impact at some point in time. I hope so, because him and a Mike Bailey match would be awesome. Yep. Um, and I thought that Andrew Everett looked good, mm-hmm. and he did a very good job within the match itself. A fun opener overall, but Mike Bailey being, uh, finally, he won the exhibition champion. Yep. Very popular with the crowd. 100% this gets a thumbs up to thumbs start up. off. Yep, start also, off. Um, when we got back, it took a minute for them to get into the matches. So really, we started off with um, the entrances to this match. Yeah. Uh, making it majestic again. I wouldn't have done anything different. No. I thought this was great. And also... Um, Ace Austin looks like he's probably going to go to um, Japan for maybe a yep. little bit of time for Bullet Club. Yep. Uh, Mike Bailey was popular enough. And then we also have a built-in rivalry with uh, Jack Evans, yep. who will most likely need to have the match that yeah. he was scheduled for. But yep. what can you do? Uh, overall, I wouldn't have done anything different. This was a really good showcase. Hopefully, we'll see, these, uh, we'll see these individuals in more yep. um, uh, X-Division matches in the future. Let's talk about the influence taking on Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie. For I the, wasn't sure about this. Uh, it was not bad. That's no. all, I'll give it an Orange Cassidy thumbs down. Yeah, me and, too. And to be honest, that's being nice. Yeah. Um, I thought the clash was a little off. It was. And like, it, like, I think Rosemary and Taya don't really gel very well as a team, at least not compared to the influence. You could kind of tell. Right. Just kind of weird. Right. Um, the false finishes were very odd as well. I wasn't sure about those entirely, too. But it was a wing clipper for Rosemary and Taya to win the belt. Who knows? Maybe they'll gel well now. Right. Because now um, they're forced to. Right. Well, let's talk about making it majestic again. Um, I Here's the thing. I don't think there was anything necessarily wrong with this, but they, they like – Booked this match a week before the yeah, event. Yeah, it was it was it felt like it was thrown together. Yeah, it was like oh we have to have a knockouts world tag right. team title match. Let's just have these two who are doing nothing. Right. Um, have a match. It's like dude, you had Taya Valkyrie who was in Mexico literally earlier. Yep. Um, go all the way to Nashville. Like yeah. goddamn, what a fucking trip. Yeah, what was twenty four hours for her, huh? Yeah, no kidding. That's why she probably only did the segment so she could fly the fuck out right then and right. there. But man, she needs like uh, she needs a minute to rest at the very least. Right. Um, but other than that, you know, it was fine. Like I said, Orange Cassidy thumbs down. Being nice about that too. It was worked hard. All right, let's talk about Moose, this monstrous ball. Match. Moose, Sammy Callahan for and well for nothing. It was a monstrous ball. Uh, this gets a full thumbs up for me. This gets an Orange Cassidy thumbs up for me. I didn't like how there weren't any stipulations for this. I like, kind of wish it was like a number one contenders right. match or something. Um, I do like how they tried to bill it. As also, Sammy also, I I felt like it was too stiff as a monsters ball match. Like there wasn't. It felt like they were just going through the motions. It didn't really feel like it was see a that. naturally occurring thing. Right. It was like, oh, monsters ball. Yeah. Why? Because Sammy Callahan got hurt. No, no. 
we need to do like a match between Moose and Callahan at first, and then do Monsters Ball later. Right. Just so, just so we can we can get this rivalry sort of kicked off. Right. Because right. Monsters Ball is more like, a, oh, this is it. This is the final. match. Right. They're gonna be doing another match. Yeah. They they, are. Like, they have to. Yeah. Can we not brother for like three seconds and take a drink at the same time? But overall, you know, it was a brutal match. It was whatever. I thought three cactus drivers was completely unnecessary. Oh, that was the other thing, too, is that. You had tax, yeah. and, I mean, it was fine, but it's like that. It just, like I said, it just felt forced. It felt like they were just going through the spots. Right. A perfect word for it. It felt like a forced Monsters Ball match mm-hmm. instead of something authentic. So... Um, it's like, oh, well, we got Sabu and Abyss. Yeah, but that was naturally fluid within right. the motions. They had um, monsters. They had, like, three hardcore matches. Like, you already have two hardcore guys. Then you have, like, who could be the most hardcore? You had um, Barbed Wire Massacre. You had Monsters Ball. And then I think they had, like, um, a Full Metal Mayhem. Right. So it's like, okay, you had all of those. But it's like Moose in a hardcore match? That doesn't fit for me. No. Like, at all. Sammy Callahan, though, totally fine. Whatever. But yes, uh, Sammy Callahan did win. That was to be expected. Let's talk about the World Tag Team Championship match. The Briscoes taking on the Good Brothers. Um, I'm going to give an Orange Cassidy thumbs down. I'm kind of the same. Orange Cassidy thumbs down. It was it, it's just there. Yeah, it was fine. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good match, but I did not like the ending. No. Why do the Good Brothers need these titles? Right. They don't need these titles. Right. Like, at all. Unless the Briscoes are going to continue with Impact, which is entirely possible. That's true. I didn't even think about that. It might be the final little swan song for the Briscoes. I hope not. Right. At least here in, in Impact Wrestling. Right. Like, we need tag teams. I think the Briscoes with Impact right. are perfectly fine. Be like... Oh, well, they're racist. Those were done like 10 years ago, and I don't even see them as racist. Like, who cares? So, like, anyways. Uh, it was it was a magic killer for the brothers to win, and then America's Most Wanted came out, and then they all drank together. Actually, you know what? That kind of hurt me more than it did. I, I saw the nostalgia of American Most Wanted. It's like the Good Brothers and the Briscoes were literally fighting each other on the land of the Briscoes, and then now they're drinking beer together? Yeah. Like, Okay. What, like, what the... Like, what the actual fuck is this? I, under, I understand that it's kayfabe, but goddamn. Yeah. Keep some kayfabe going. No, like, kayfabe is dead. Ugh. Can, can you suspend my disbelief for all of no seconds nope. before we do this? Anyway, uh, let's talk about Honor No More taking on the Impact Originals. So, uh, anyways... Um, 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 NXT Carter came out. Yep, Scott Demore came out and... Uh, he was on commentary. He was on commentary in a Team Canada uniform. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Tracy Hemi did the... Intro, uh, that was really cool. for it. And, yeah, Dixie Carter introduced the final member of Team Impact, which was Davey Richards. This was such a wasted spot. It was. Why wasn't this like Samoa Joe right. or Christopher Daniels? Right. Here's the one thing, too. I didn't even think about this. So I think it was around this match. They had AJ Styles yeah. do a thing, and he's like, oh, I want to thank WWE. And people were like, wow, WWE? Good for them. Once yeah. again, new CEO. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I doubt that. I, doubt, I think he got the approval a long time before. I'm going to be optimistic No, here. you're not. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, Davey Richards, I mean, I understand. So, number one, Davey Richards is an actual original in TNA. Like, right. he was on the first episode. 
Also, he was a tag team champion. He was a, in a tag team with Eddie Edwards. He was, was, they were tag team champions. Oh, they, they were. were. Yeah, they were TNA World Tag Team Champions. That's right. The Wolves, yeah. Yeah, they were. So, um, anyways, there's some bad blood. So, I understand from that standpoint that it makes sense that you would bring in someone who has, like, sheer hatred towards... I think... Uh, here, here's my issue with this. Towards Eddie Edwards? I, th- I think it's not the fact that it was Eddie or Davey Richards. My issue was is that... I think it was because this was like the last time that mm-hmm. um, any wrestler who was signed to AEW could show up on the show in any meaningful capacity, and yet they didn't. And I hate saying this, but what do you did, mean by that? Whose decision was this? To, it was very odd to bring in Davey Richards. No, no, not that. Why weren't any of? I mean, other than Frankie Kazarian. Oh. Who else? Why didn't you have Christopher Daniels or Samoa Joe or CM Punk show up? CM Punk was also an Impact Wrestling original. He was on the first show. You know, I think they only have a certain amount of time to fill, so I think they wanted to go out with bangers. That's it. That's all I can say. I know. I I just feel like it, it was a wasted opportunity. And also, it's like, oh... It's like Davey Richards is not an original. I didn't even. I wasn't even a big fan of Nick Aldis being in this match because he's not an original. No, but this anyone who was in TNA or anyone who was signed to Impact Wrestling at some point, but that'll apply um, to like I, that'll apply to most of the people on Honor No More side too. Right. Most of them are former or current members of the Impact Wrestling roster. I did. I did like. Um, I did like Mike Kinnell. Or uh, yeah, no, uh, Mike Bennett. I almost said Mike Kinnell for some reason. Uh, that's his slave name. Yep. Mike Bennett showing up in his uh, the miracle yeah. Mike Bennett gear. That was cool. That was. I really like that. Um, overall, I will say the match was fun. It was. It was I'm a fun little an Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I'll give it a full thumbs up. It Even was. It was. Despite fair. despite my grievances, yeah. I did like this match. Yeah. I actually liked it more than I thought it was going to. Yeah, I liked so, it. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a spot fest, but it was a spot fest. It was a spot but, fest, but it wasn't like over the top. Yeah. It was very controlled. Yeah. Um, the brawling was at the right times. Yep. It felt very intense. And then you had the spot with um, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards. Yep. I liked that. Um, I thought everybody worked really hard. There were just a couple of spots here yeah. and there that were not timed well. But other than that, I thought it was fun. And it was a cradle shock on PCO for the originals to win. Yep. And how would you make this majestic again, Peanut Gallery? I probably would have waited until Bound for Glory to do something. No, that this wanted, this wanted, no this rivalry just this whole Honor No More thing just needs to end at this point. They're going to continue doing Honor No More. I know because it, it it's big money to them, so they're. Gonna, it, but it's not big money. Nobody cares about Honor No More. Nobody cared about them after their original match with the TNA Originals. Yeah, so why are, because they why, already why are they continuing? I this don't then? know. It's. It's the, it would it would be worthless for them to continue after this. If they're going to, and that's the unfortunate thing. You have this huge faction that you had them lose. It's like okay, they lost. Now you have to have them separate. Have them still with the company because I think all of them are a great value to the roster. But have them do other things. Have them do other things. I mean, PCO is the main eventer in this. He's the clear main eventer. Uh, you have a great tag team with OGK. Uh-huh. You have a great um, follow-up guy with Vincent, and then you, and then you have Eddie Edwards. I'm sorry, I don't like Eddie Edwards. No I don't one know. Likes Eddie Edwards. I don't understand the aesthetic of Eddie Edwards. I don't get it. It's so weird. It's like you have this guy. He was world champion twice. He's going to defend the title every week, and then it's like, okay, you're devaluing the title by doing this. 
That's not world champion. That's digital media champion. All right. Well, let's uh, let's Ugh. calm. Every time he's on there, I swear to God. All right, we have Queen of the Mountain, the Queen of the Mountain match for the Knockouts World Champion: Tasha Steeles, Jordan Grace, Chelsea Green, Diana Perrazzo, Mia Yim. This was a good match. I expected more. I did. Also, I expected more as well. Mickey James, why was she interfering so much? That was fucking annoying. I'm gonna, right? I'm, she, I'm gonna she, give an Orange Cassidy thumbs down because of that. I'm gonna give an Orange Cassidy thumbs up because I'm a little more optimistic. Ah. Here's the thing. Um, Mickey, I'm, I'm glad that the title is off of Tasha Steeles. I am too. I'm 100% glad that it's off of Tasha Steeles. Not because she's not good, it's because she's, she's not quite there yet. She's a weak champion. She was a weak champion. 100% she was a weak champion. Um, and also, Jordan Grace, good champion. Yeah. I'm okay with this. Um, the one thing I did not like was the fact, here's the thing, with King of the Mountain, they had like a hook. Yeah. And you had the title that was strapped together, and then you put it on the hook. Right. With, with this current one, you had to like wrap it around, and then Jordan Grace just held it. She didn't even like strap it back together. It's like, she didn't hang it. This was not a win. The company that made this match almost kind of screwed it up. Yeah. I'll be honest. I think that was kind of like my big gripe. I'm like, is that a full loop? Is there like a is there like a hook on there where they can just like, yeah, they probably didn't have a hook. And then they're like, oh, I can let go of it and it's hanging instead of let me hold on to it. It's like, I'm sorry, that it's a hang up for it. Ironically, it's a hang up for me. And to be honest with you, that's how you make them. It doesn't again have a structured better match. Yeah, without like, without so much interference from Mickey James. She was really annoying. Like, why was Mickey James there? If you wanted Mickey James there, have her in the match. Right. But no, she was a special guest enforcer. Just so they can do a Chelsea Green, Mickey James. And here's the thing. I don't here's mind the way that. To do this. No, here, here's the way to do this. If they wanted to do this, have Chelsea Green almost win. And then Mickey James comes out and interferes. Yeah. That's how you build that instead of Mickey James supposed to be the enforcer of the Like the unbiased right. enforcer. Right. And then, and then interfering like four or five times. Right. It was so random. Yeah. And it was so not necessary. Yeah. It was, it was just ridiculous, but I'm glad the title is off of Tasha. Yeah. So am I. Um, give her a little more experience as a singles competitor. And maybe have her win some more high-profile high non-title matches. Right. And I'll take her seriously. Jordan Grace wasn't just given the opportunity. Jordan Grace won big, high-profile singles matches against yep. other women to get her spot the first time, yep. which established her. We had Tasha Steeles, who just won Ultimate X. Yeah. That's not enough now. No. It's like, okay, you won a multi-woman match. Let's see what you can do in singles competition right. for a singles championship. Right. So, anyways, moving on. World title match. Eric Young and Josh Alexander for the Impact World Champion. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I'm going to give this one a full thumbs up. This was really good. I it was. It was, it was a decent main event. Um, I do wish. Now, if, if any match could have been a monstrous ball and it would have worked, it would have been this match. Mm. Like legitimately because Eric Young had the thing of being violent. And he did the pile driver on the wood crate on Josh Alexander right before the event. Yep, I did like all the finishers from past uh, TNA. That was really cool. 
had BNME, you had Styles Clash, you had Samoa Joe's Uranagi, uh, you had, I can't remember all of them, but it was the ankle, really the yeah, ankle, ankle lock. Um, Josh Alexander. Slam, yep. Mean, all that stuff. Josh Alexander really shined in this match. Yeah. He was really cool. Um, Eric Young had the uh, Memphis Predators logo. The Nashville Predators. The Nashville Predators. Did I say Memphis? Yeah. And Nashville. Same thing at the end of the day. Wow. Well, they're both in Tennessee. Nick. So, uh, he had the Nashville, Nashville Predators logo on his knee pads. I did like that little touch because they were in Nashville. Yeah. So, that was, that was kind of cool. And uh, Josh Alexander won with C4 Spike on the wooden planks. Once again, if they were going to do something like this, have this one be a hardcore match or a monstrous ball. And so, then that would have made sense. So, anyways, uh, you know, making it majestic, and I wouldn't have done anything. Actually, I, actually, build, I think it was very good. Actually, I think making it a hardcore match would have like kind of bastardized it a little bit because really? that's not that's not Josh Alexander style. I think it was Eric Young style, and especially given the attacks where weapons and ripping up the ring was used. That's true. It would have worked. It might have worked a little bit better, but eh, you know. It's, it's it's still a swing in a... In a well, it's, it's hard to do a hardcore match in the middle of the show. I think at yeah. the end of the show, it's going to be better. So I think this would have worked. And also, here's the thing. We already know Josh Alexander is a really good wrestler. Well, what about him as a hardcore guy? Let's see maybe a little bit of variety maybe. with the champion maybe. and see how well-rounded he is. Like We got right. a promo. We have him as a, like, a shoot wrestler, all well and good. But maybe we need a little bit of edge on him to really showcase... That intensity. Mm -hmm. Maybe if Eric Young brought up the family a couple of times and, you know, the wife is a wrestler too. Mm -hmm. Maybe pile drive the wife or something. That would have been really freaking cool. Yeah, that's already been done before though. Who? Oh, Moose Spearder. Yeah. That's right. Okay, that was like on a non-impact show too. Like, who cares? Well, do, do, that on, do that on impact, like the very last show and then make it Monsters Ball. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Give me all of your money despite me paying for the show. <laughs> so um, that's kind of it. Overall, I'm going to give the show a thumbs up. It was, it was definitely the better oh, of the two um, shows Bound, this weekend. Here, here's the one thing that we didn't even talk about. Bound for Glory. Yeah, so apparently Bound for Glory is going to be here. Rumor has it. Is really? That Bound for Glory is going to be in Vegas. I don't think that they have a venue set yet. So You don't think they got Samstown automatically? Maybe they're looking for something bigger? Yeah, maybe. We don't know that. But there are, there are a lot of rumors going around that Bound for Glory is coming back to Vegas. Sweet. And you know we'll be there. Of course, live and in person. And if it's on a Sunday, then uh, we'll we'll make something work. Yep. Anyways, that's about it. Next uh, week, next we have week we Forbidden are. Door. And that's all we got is yep. Forbidden Door. So. For, forbidden Door, wrestling, heckling, whole nine yards. If you did like this video, remember to like, follow, subscribe, become a patron. Check out the QR code right here for all the fun stuff including where you can listen and watch us on. And as always, be majestic.